Welcome back to The Highway with Kyle Shutt. I'm really excited about this week's episode. Uh, I normally bring on musicians or, or other kind of creative types, but um, I wanted to shine a little light on what goes on behind the scenes uh, and bring on a journalist for you. We have this week Mr. Rob Pasbani from Metal Injection, one of the biggest heavy metal news outlets. We talked about everything from PR, record reviews, uh, just the evolution of heavy metal journalism over the years. It was a really fun episode. As always, if you like what you hear on the program, hit that follow button, smash that subscribe tab. You do what you got to do to make sure you don't miss a single episode. And if you want to go one step further and help me keep this trainer rolling, you can find us at patreon.com slash the highway for a few bucks a month. You can help me keep the lights on, get yourself a shout out on the program, get some guitar lessons from me once a month, even get some merch so you can wear me home. Anything helps. And I sincerely appreciate all of you for listening. We also have to thank our amazing sponsors, Heil Sound. Because if you like the way I sound, it's because there's a Heil in front of me. Now, Rob and Metal Injection have given me so much coverage over the years, so I thought it would be nice to, to turn the tables. So let's do things my way. The Highway. What's going on? Hey, how's it going? Oh my god, uh, I, I don't know uh, when this is going to air exactly, but for everyone out there listening, uh, it's November first, the day after Halloween, and I thought I knew what a hangover was. <laughs> <laughs> this is a new level. Uh, did you get into uh, any shenanigans last night? Yeah, I went to see Guar. Actually, it feels a very appropriate band to see on Halloween. Uh, I only had one drink because I was driving, so no. No hangover, Shen. It's maybe smart a weed man. hangover. Yeah, smart man. You uh, <laughs> uh, still in New York? Yeah, yep. Yeah, I am in Brooklyn, New York. Yeah, we were just there, and uh, I gotta say, it's the city that sleeps now. It's crazy. Uh, I, I've never walked around Williamsburg at two a.m. Uh, and it's just a ghost town. It's fucking crazy. Yeah, the pandemic kind of. Uh, I noticed that too. Like, it would always be easy to find something good to eat late at night. Exactly. Now, not so much. <laughs> Yeah, it's so sad. It's but uh, yeah, thanks so much for coming on, uh, Rob uh, Pasbani, everybody from Metal Injection. Uh, I wanted to bring uh, a heavy metal journalist on because this podcast is uh, all about uh, every aspect of the entertainment industry. And um, journalism is, is one of those things that's a huge part of it, but people don't really like know what goes on behind the scenes and things like that. And I just kind of wanted to pick your brain about it. So uh, thanks for coming on. My pleasure. Um, yeah. Do, do you come from like a, a journalism background or anything like that? Or was this just kind of a, a half-baked idea that you and some other stoners came up with to uh, to make fun of us musicians? <laughs> uh, yeah, more so the latter. <laughs> uh, no, I don't. I mean, I've taken uh, journalism classes in college and whatever, but journalism wasn't really my how like what I intended to do. I was more in the field of like graphic design and web development so uh it was more like my interest was more in building a website and it's just you know someone had to maintain it so i just fell into writing and and you know i guess i've been doing it now for 17 years so yeah i guess i'm a journalist that's wild it, you know it's, <laughs> it's evolved a lot since the days of uh just you know uh, mag like print media like magazines just like running uh, album reviews and just um, press agents ar arranging like you know a, a months ahead sort of like um, press campaign you know uh, it seems like things are a lot more oh, immediate yeah. now and just um, uh, you know and I, I don't mean this in a uh, 
negative way, but just a lot more like uh, like gossip rags, you know, and just like keeping people yeah. attention and stuff. I feel like even in the time that I've been working in the field, it's evolved so much from kind of straight news to then when there was like all the blogging stuff kind of blew up. It was more kind of people wanted more opinion in in the article, uh-huh. uh, and then I kind of feel like it, the opinion kind of went a little too far, maybe. And also, <laughs> this was kind of around the time of like, you know, Trump and and questions about you know fake news and whatever. And so then the opinion had to be kind of pulled back, and it was just like, well, here's just the story. You come up with y- your own opinion, but in terms of uh gossipy stuff absolutely i i mean look there's plenty of uh hard news that we do and then there's plenty of stuff that's pretty trivial but the truth is the trivial stuff gets 10 times the amount of traffic absolutely and essentially essentially it pays it funds our ability to go ahead and do the like you know real news or covering underground bands because none of that stuff is actually paying the bills uh but we still obviously feel an obligation to cover it and want to cover it you know it's it, it's difficult for bands to to crack these days and um yeah it's it's I, i've definitely heard bands talk about like how come nobody's like paying attention to us and i was like i don't know because you're not kanye west having a fucking prayer meeting with justin bieber and marilyn manson dude i don't know what to yeah tell exactly you. wild shit's exactly. going on out there man <laughs> people only have so much attention uh-huh. uh and only have so much time and I think a big thing that changed news and journalism is Facebook. That was the biggest change mm-hmm. because I feel like everything is kind of like before Facebook and after Facebook. Before Facebook, people actually visited our our main page. <laughs> people visited websites. Right. People went and looked on a main page and saw what they were writing. And I feel like it was much better for bands in that sense because then uh, fans and readers were actually listening to tastemakers and checking out some new songs just because they were on the main page and, and they saw it. Mm-hmm. Now, nobody visits homepages. Everyone just gets their news through social media, through Facebook or through Twitter. And Facebook has made such a deal out of what shows up in the news feed that essentially a lot of times you're kind of writing towards what you know would be more likely to show up in the news feed. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, that or even uh, SEO, uh, like search engine optimization uh, for people that like, you know, like you're not even writing a story really. You're like choosing words to try to get people to like when it comes up when they search for it and shit like that. It's, it's this is a real exactly, art to it. yeah. it's crazy. Yeah, it's a balance of doing that stuff and then actually servicing your readers, you know, and providing <laughs> good information. Do you find that you don't even care anymore sometimes where you're just like, oh my, this is the story I'm running. You don't have to, I'm, I'm going to go deep here in a minute, but you don't have to answer <laughs> all these if you don't want to. <laughs> well, what I, what I can say is uh, there was a point, like I mentioned, you know, like uh, um, there was a point where we, re- like I realized personally that with some stories, it, you know, I should take my opinion out of it. Uh, and like an example I'll give is a band like Five Finger Death Punch. I'm not a fan of Five Finger Death Punch. Uh, I recognize their place in the metal ecosystem. They they are there to get people that aren't necessarily paying attention to the scene, just are on the radio and just need something to listen to for 20 minutes. And 
those people are the type of people that can be converted into, you know, like hardcore heavy metal fans. And previously about uh, Five Finger Death Punch, I would write about it in kind of a snarky, like, here's a new Five Finger Death Punch song to suffer through, you know? <laughs> and I would notice that the comments would be from Five Finger Death Punch fans being like, hey, this is, you know, cruel, like, what the fuck? And I realized, like, oh, you know, here, like, just because I don't like Five Finger Death Punch doesn't mean my readers don't like them. And it's mm-hmm. not, it's kind of rude of me and it's kind of dickish of me to kind of like make fun of their tastes because like ultimately like I don't you know I'm not bothered if somebody listens to Five Finger Death Punch and my job isn't to like mock my readers my job is to inform the readers so I decided at some point a few years ago you know I I, I will write about Five Finger Death Punch because it's something that our readers are interested in and I will like abstain mostly from offering my opinion on on subjective things you know like new music and it's just like here's the new song you they're, tell they're me what you think art, of it as yeah. A, yeah as opposed to like here's what i think of it yeah yeah i remember uh this because i mean all these musicians read all this shit too and it it sometimes i, I don't let it get under my skin as much as it used to because uh, I, I there was a comment that metal sucks uh, made one time that really got under my skin and it was a uh, fucking axel uh <laughs> he uh whenever high country came out <laughs> It was a very divisive album, like real polarizing with our fans and stuff like that. And uh, it, it, the, the, the first week sales were fake. They do a thing called like metal by numbers, where they just like you know spill everybody's beans. And um, yep. it was like here's the first week's numbers for High Country, and then like the next time they did it, it was like you know we had very much fallen down the charts. And it was like uh, he wrote, um, "Here's the Swords uh, chart position for High Country, more like Low Country." And it really fucking <laughs> pissed me off. You know what I mean? It stung. It, it, it really did a little bit because I was like, you know what? Fuck you, man. And uh, I was so pissed about it. And uh, we we did a um, we started doing like an acoustic version of High Country, and uh, we didn't really know what we were doing. We went in, we did two songs real quick, and then they were so easy to do. I was like, well, what if we did like the whole album acoustic? And then like it start, sort of snowballed into this project. And then when it was time to to name it and and everything, I was like, we're calling this fucker Low Country. And uh, so <laughs> I really <laughs> spun that one around. I don't think he knows that, but maybe uh, maybe somebody will tell him. Well, I'll, pa- I'll pass it along to him. There I'm sure go. he'll be flattered by it. <laughs> uh, but that's a good, but that's something I realized, you know, a few years ago as well. You know, there, there was a lot of growth in, in doing this because, uh, you know, we did kind of blow up and we are one of the top metal websites. And in my head, sometimes I forget about that. You know, I forget about our reach and I just assume it's like, I'm writing to like a few of my friends. And uh, sometimes I'll write something snarky, not necessarily because I mean it. It's just, Oh, here's something funny. I thought of I'll totally. write it in here. Uh, but then like, I've, I've, I've realized, and I try to remind myself, like, how would you feel if the person you're writing about this saw this? Are you okay with them seeing this? <laughs> And it's compl- it's very much changed how I write because there have been times where I've write, written something absentmindedly and I, I feel like I've hurt somebody's feelings and and I felt really shitty about it because uh, it's like that joke wasn't good enough <laughs> to like hurt somebody. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, like this isn't that serious where I want to affect somebody's mood and ruin their day. And I'm very, very conscious of that nowadays. That's funny. Have you ever straight up, like, printed something completely false and had to run a retraction? 
Yeah, oh, uh, I mean, certainly, it's definitely happened. It's not something I enjoy, I enjoy doing, but absolutely. Yeah, so, getting into that, it's like, not something I would do intentionally. Like, no, no, if I, I mean. know a story, yeah, yeah I just yeah. like getting into your like where you like your sources. You don't have to give away your sources, obviously, but like, just is it that kind of thing where you just have certain people you know that like feed you information or, or things like that, and then it just turns out no, like, it's well, it's it's no, it's not like that necessarily. Uh, it would. An example of uh, like something that just comes to mind is just something happened. You know, people are writing on Twitter that something happened at a show. So you kind of write from the perspective of the people on social media. But then like a video comes out or something that completely contradicts the the, the reports on social media. Uh -huh. So then you, you post a, a retraction, you know, something yeah. like that. That's or it's usually just somebody says something publicly and then somebody like, uh, denies with proof that kind of thing uh -huh. not very often that i guess sometimes there there have been times where we, i've been misled about social media posts coming from official pages or something you know like a, a mm. troll yeah trick me but that, that kind of thing i would never i don't there's not really any any like rumors and that doesn't happen too often and, uh -huh. and if it does i always try to confirm it with other sources before yeah well you're one of the few publish. But uh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, sometimes like I'll find out about shit on Twitter just from people talking about it, and I'll just be like, okay, what the fuck are they talking about? And I'll end up having to go to a, a website like a, a metal site just to see if that's true. Like, like the uh, the turnstile shit in the pit uh, one. I was just like, wait a minute, they're like, all of a sudden everyone <laughs> on Twitter is making jokes about taking a shit in the mosh pit. I was like, okay, something went down. I don't know. <laughs> Let me go check yeah. it out. That was, that was well, see, that's a, that's a good point. That's where you hear the news now. You don't hear it on the websites. You uh -huh. hear it on social media, and then you go to the websites to kind of <laughs> to kind of back up what you're hearing on social media. I, I'm the same way. I'm absolutely addicted to Twitter. It's a problem. I spend hours on it a day. It never ends. Uh, yeah, it's like exactly. hanging out in a coffee it, shop it, in the '90s. It's just people in there talking 24 hours a day. You're like, oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, and then you kind of fall in a thread, and you get into the replies, and yeah, it's a it's a black hole. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I came from you know like the age of like when I graduated high school in two thousand, you know like the internet was barely Same. a thing that was you know I, I that's kind of how I got into underground music was like I found out about uh, record labels doing mail order because I, I couldn't really get um, many like you know great records like from there there were no record stores where i grew up i couldn't like you know um get a hold of like propaganda or anything like that without sending out uh through the mail and so um as these websites started popping up like lambgoat and uh stonerock.com it just really opened up a whole world for me but um back in those days like uh especially stonerock.com they were fucking awesome they reported every single band no matter how big or small you were and it was just an honest review of the album and it was a super simple website and they just kept getting hacked into oblivion and i just that i didn't really understand that at the time like why like who hates this shit so much that they're like hacking and like ruining these people's like hard work and everything and eventually the website just went away um like how is that anything like that ever happened to y'all or like how what are your safeguards yeah we yeah like uh, uh yeah it was much harder back then just because you had to run your own server there wasn't uh -huh. all of this open source software that there is now uh so i'm sure i think like what you know to answer your question why would they do it it's just when you get big enough you start indexing on search engines and stuff and you're just you get on hackers radars and i think it's yeah. just 
it's it's really like more uh, like for them it's just something to hold ransom to get money for or whatever you know stuff like that or get data yeah uh and and sometimes you use open source software that has exploits in them or you know the security is is good and and then it allows people to to do that we, we definitely fell into those traps early on uh just because also you know we didn't really have any money so we would be using open source software and uh you know i'm more of a front-end developer than a back-end developer yeah. so some of it was a little over my head and the security aspect so you know you kind of leave yourself vulnerable and it definitely led to a few stressful <laughs> nights of trying to recoup stuff but you know we're on a a pretty stable a uh, piece of software now WordPress, which is you know pretty much the standard in public in a lot of publishing. Mm -hmm. That's wild. I, I I still have no idea how any of this shit works. So it's just <laughs> me asking these questions <laughs> is mostly so I can understand better. <laughs> um, so in dealing with, I, I just had a question because I've I've been running a lot of my own press lately. I've I've hired a lot of publicists over the years. Um, some are really great. Some were really, really great. Some were so great that they cost $30,000 a month. And I'm just like, whoa, 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 what the fuck, you know? Um, but then I started <laughs> doing it myself and just reaching out to people. And uh, I found that I've gotten a lot more traction just being the artist, uh, reaching out and, and and creating like a personal connection, kind of like with uh, you and me right now. Uh, but it, it, how often does that happen? Like where the artist is actually the one running their own campaign versus like, uh, do you have like a Rolodex full of press agents that you're like constantly like shuffling favors around trying to like uh, balance people's needs and things like that yeah absolutely it's kind of like it's the kind of part of the job that you don't that i didn't realize before how time consuming it is uh, -huh. <laughs> uh whereas it, it's very time consuming and, and yeah like uh, i definitely have publicity contacts people i'm i prefer to work with people i have to work with and you know just newer people kind of learning the way and trying to help smaller bands and uh i would like i would say that for like for you it's great because you you the sword have kind of an established name and and you're pretty known so for you to email direct it you would more than you would get a response more likely than somebody in kind of a no-name band uh and and for like smaller bands i would definitely suggest looking into kind of publicist like what i would say is think about what the sound of your band is and look up bands that are you know notable but not huge not like metallica level uh but like out there working class bands with similar sounds to you and look at who their publicity is and, and kind of reach out to those people because they would have the contacts at the outlets that cover music similar to your sound and it's much easier to get back to a publicist because you already have a established relationship with them than just, you know, 50 unsigned bands that hit us up with various degrees of pitches from, hey, do you want to check out my band? <laughs> like, and then there's no link. Like, I have to say, like, yes, send me. Like, I'm not going to respond to you begging for the link for your band. Like, that's the other thing. If, if, you, if you can't afford the publicist and want to go the DIY route, you have to have uh, empathy. Imagine yourself as being on the other end of what you're sending. And you have to make it as easy as possible for the writer to know what your band is about and listen to your music without attaching anything, without having to download anything, just one click and it's streaming. You know, I think that's very important. 
Absolutely. And um, timing is everything, too. Like, like I, yes. I've definitely done some research, and I've, I've done my own research. And um, uh, <laughs> I've found that, you know, Friday, obviously, is just a horrible day to announce anything. But so many bands try to announce things on Fridays. And uh, Monday can be really tough, too. I found that, like, you're right in the middle of the week, Wednesday. That's kind of when this podcast uh, airs. And um, just it's kind of like the perfect time because like all the big shit's been announced already, and everyone's uh, saving their big ammo for like the the Friday announce because uh, that's when records come out now. Thank you, Taylor Swift. And um, <sighs> so that's uh, yeah, right in the middle is like perfect. But uh, you guys are constantly running stories every day. Do you find yourselves having to save certain stories for certain times and things like that because you're you really need that granular data to just pop for that one story or something like that? Uh, that's a good point. Yeah, I will say Fridays are a mess. Uh, it's just Fridays are release day now. It's album mm. release day, single release day. So, yeah, there's a lot of competition. And I would even say Thursdays now are getting pretty busy just because it's like people want to get a head start on, on the Friday rush. Yeah. So you're right. Wednesday and Tuesday even are the best days for smaller bands because it is a bit slower at the beginning of the week. Monday is kind of difficult just because it's like you know it's the first day of the week everyone's kind of catching up on the weekend uh and so yeah i i agree and as for holding stories not really there's always so much going on i guess sometimes there's slower periods than not there are you know kind of stories that we have that are not really time sensitive and they're more either opinion based or mm -hmm. Or like just lists about general music interests that we might hold on to them until there's a slower day, you know, oh, there's nothing going on. Let's post, you know, 10 reasons for this or whatever, yeah. or like a retrospective. Yeah. So we, we kind of hold those editorials, but news stories, we try to get them up as soon as possible. Yeah. And getting back to that, just if anyone didn't know what my Taylor Swift comment was about, because um, I, I very much benefited from this. Um, so records used to come out on Tuesdays that was that way since the what fucking 60s I don't know and um so uh, as you know streaming services and things were starting to rear their heads and as um uh, a lot of smaller labels started dying out and um you really had your 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 big 3 like uh, you know Sony and uh Capital and or Capital might have even been gone by 2012 um but uh basically like yeah if, Sony uh, Warner and BMG yeah yeah and um so if or Universal know, uh, Warner Universal. Yeah. Um, and if you're a label like Sony, you know, you, you've got like, you know, 300 bands or whatever like that, but really you've only got one year you're or two. You've got your Katy Perry, you've got your Taylor Swift, and they have to sell 10 million records or you're fucked. You know, and so they came up with this scheme for her to have a number one record and it was to to shift the release day that week of her album release to a Friday instead of Tuesday so that she would have an extra weekend worth of sales to ensure that she got the number one record, which she did. But it also meant that Apocryphon came out that same day, and that was our um, highest debut on the Billboard Top 200. We debuted at number 17 because uh, oh, Taylor nice. Swift's label decided to throw the music industry upside down, so I owe her a drink. I, I don't think I don't think it was just that, though. <laughs> by the way, I think there was another reason. But what? Uh, because so yeah, albums would come out on Tuesdays here, but uh, what would happen in the UK and in Europe is uh, people would get the people would get the U.S. imports as opposed to buying the UK version oh. or the European version. So in Europe, the labels 
and then in the UK, the labels kind of decided to, hey, if we release a few days earlier on Friday, uh, people will be more interested in getting the localized version than the uh-huh. import. And as streaming and, and all this and internet proliferation happened, it would just lead to four days of leaks. You know, yeah. the, the album would be out in Europe. Someone would just upload it. And, it, you know, all the U.S. wouldn't be able to get it. So I think that was more the reason, but it's probably a combination of the two. Like, I, I'm sure they were they've, they've been wanting to do it for a while. And then Taylor Swift was like, F this. We're doing it now. And then yeah. they're like, all right, I guess we're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Must be nice to have that kind of power. Oh, my God. <laughs> what? Also, as uh, those localized versions are so funny because as a band, you're you know you you create an album and you you love your songs and you, you like worked really hard and then you have like this many songs and your album's done and then you want to put it out in Japan, and the Japanese record labels like we need more songs, you know like we you can't just put out the because they want the Japanese public to buy the Japanese version of the record, not the U.S. import everything like that. So then you're like, well, I can't just like write more songs right now we kind of like did the whole record you know it's just kind of i think it's funny we've never really been the kind of band to end up with like five extra b-sides at the end of a session you know yeah i've never understood that either like oh hey we wrote 20 songs 12 will end up on the album and then you know these eight songs (laughs) will give to various countries it's like how do you decide which of your babies yeah (laughs) you know everyone doesn't hear it's weird i never understood it but yeah we don't have to worry about that now nobody buys fucking cds anymore it all just goes up on spotify (laughs) Every Friday, uh, I you know I used to really um, I get mad about it or whatever, but it was just people were complaining about it. I see how much money we're getting from streams, and it, I, it's far less than uh, album sales. But you gotta you know you you, you gotta evolve with the times, and, and I found that it, it's actually a very good thing um, if you've were already an established band. So like say like a band like the Rolling Stones, um, you know they've already made their millions. Um, and o- over the years, but then all of a sudden this new technology comes out, and even though it's not, you know, uh, uh, even though it's a fraction of the money that you would normally get, they're getting double paid for all this shit. So if you know, uh, yeah, it's a new paint, contract. Paint it, yeah, Paint It Black fucking does a hundred million streams. So that's you know sixteen thousand dollars per million. So that's you just made like, you know. 160 million dollars <laughs> on stuff that you've already been paid for. But uh, yeah, on the, on the, and even the sword, you know, like we we um, if it wasn't for uh, I hope I'm not oversharing, but if it wasn't for Spotify, yeah. we probably wouldn't have recouped our first record contract. And now it's like in a, a much better position because of that. So I I don't I don't like to demonize anything, but as far as record sales go, it's it would it would be cool <laughs> if everybody bought the record and listened to it on the streaming service. So it would be like too, but it's it's the fact that the streaming service replaced the record purchase uh, is kind of like where a lot of newer bands are really up a creek uh, and uh, I don't I don't really have any advice for them except you have to be excellent uh, you know you have to just constantly just stand out be, yes you have to constantly stand out do something nobody's ever done before and uh, it's that's getting harder and harder to do these days um, King King Buffalo is one of the ones that I feel like is really standing out right now they, they recorded three records over the pandemic and the the second one was a live album recorded in a cave which is a horrible idea Whoa. Yeah, I know, but it's it's a beautiful. Uh, they they filmed the whole thing and it looks absolutely gorgeous. So I was just like, see, these are the guys that are doing it. And every time they put out a record pressing, it sells out in like twenty seconds. Those guys are killing it right now. That's really interesting. I know. Yeah, and I guess it's uh, there's ways to make it work. You got to stand out. Um, yeah, and have have you um have you noticed that bigger bands are because uh, a lot of the bigger bands are 
they used to only put a record out every four years. That was kind of the thing, like a, like your Radiohead or your Metallica or something like that. I, I feel like it's getting longer and longer now. Um, it's weird. It depends on the bands. I feel like I feel there's a good amount of bands that are kind of like on this two year cycle, uh-huh. which I I don't understand. Like how, you're just going to run out of material. Uh, but yeah, there are some bands that they're in no rush. You know, if, mm-hmm. I guess it really. And I've also noticed that a lot of bands are more open to just releasing singles or small little EPs. Uh-huh. Like you said, nobody actually buys the physical albums anymore. So if you're looking for some press, why not just put a song out, get it going, and you could use it to promote a tour or or just jumpstart publicity. You know, or jumpstart your narrative. I think because of the lack of record sales. Mm-hmm. It kind of allows bands to to be more creative with their releases. Why do you have to sit? I feel the other thing too uh, is that I kind of sit with an album much less now. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, like I almost forget about an album a few weeks after it, it comes out, unless it like really strikes me. You know, it's like, and some of these albums that came out in, in this last year, it's like these are albums that I've really been looking forward to and then i just listen to it i'm like uh you know because there's just so much uh so i feel like for some bands they realize like hey why are we putting all of this effort all of our sweat and tears into writing nine tracks when it's just going to be forgetting about forgotten about in a month if i just put out two tracks people it'll last with people and then maybe in another six or eight months put out another two track you know kind of Uh kind of slow slow down the release schedule so people have more time to consume it because there's just so much choice now there's so much to listen to yeah, and, and, and you get to run and, more stories too that and that's kind of the, the yeah exactly the that's a great point days. yeah just to to uh, keep people's get more uh, publicity attention. yeah and um it's that's fucking tough to do these days man absolutely that that's another another reason to do it and it gives us something to write about mm-hmm. you know we're not going to write about track seven on your album but if you split your album into like three EPs, <laughs> that track seven becomes track two and it, and it will be written about, mm-hmm. you know, as far as um, like opinion pieces go and as you see um, them going, I, I've found myself sort of indulging a little bit more when it's a, a very specific thing. It'll be like the top 50 albums from 1998. And I was, I was like, that was my heyday, man. I'm, I'm fucking, uh, yeah, I'm, I want to read <laughs> what they think the top 50 albums in 1998 were. I'll click on it and there will be like 47 of them I've never heard of. You know, I'd be like, where, like, what was I doing back then? What the hell, man? So I really, I really enjoy um, re- reading things like that. But then um, every once in a while, you read one, and you're like, this is wrong, 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 wrong. And I, I guess that's the point because it just keeps keeps people reading. Um, have uh, did did you happen to peruse the uh, the Rolling Stones' uh, 500 Greatest Records of All Time recently? I did see that. I always like. Again, being a publisher, I realize like none of that stuff matters. Totally, it's uh, complete garbage. It's it's just they need an excuse to run content. You know, like mm-hmm. hey, this will get people. Like it'll get people just as upset as I'm sure you you would have gotten reading it. Yeah, I like. I kind of like. I don't like. Re- that's the thing. It's who's going to read 500 blurbs? You know, you just yeah. kind of scroll through it and see where your your favorites are and kind of either have a visceral reaction like how dare you or just like oh, all right i was just gonna say because 500 out you 500 little listicle article whatever things you have to write it's just it's that's a lot that's a yeah whole like lot, imagine man. assume it's like let's say you know 75 words you know that's that's 3700 37,000 words <laughs> you know, no one's gonna read it no one's gonna read that i know uh so yeah it's just look 
it's all it's a business it's all about getting those ads loaded or i guess with rolling stone now it's selling web subscriptions because they have a, a paywall mm-hmm. uh and stuff like that really works like people like people like subjective lists where they could critique the person's opinion you know too but also um it, it is a business because the journalist needs to get paid i mean that's the yeah it's evolved far from a blog and and that being said i kind of wanted to get into this um that's when people sell their whole website. You know what I mean? And uh, that's kind of like you put in all this work and get up to a certain point where it's, I'm sure you're getting offers like, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and spill the beans. I don't care. Uh, Hard Times uh, recently sold out. A lot of that whole group uh, did. And um, I've definitely noticed a slight decline in the content coming out where you can tell like, oh, they, I, I can tell the interns wrote this one and, uh, and stuff like that. And it's just, uh, I think it's, it's it's unfortunate in, in in some way if you're a real fan of that kind of stuff but at the same time like i'm really happy that if if anyone is successful and gets paid for their hard work um but yeah what, what do you think the future of this is going because like as if they start if the 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 news outlets start like kind of like selling out one by one and then pretty soon iHeartRadio is going to own everything it's all just going to be the same stories over and over again like where, where do you think it's going i honestly wonder the same thing <laughs> where it's going uh it's it's very hard to predict. The internet is like every year it's a totally different thing. Like what we're doing this year is totally different than what we did three years ago. Yeah. Than what we did five years ago. You know, you kind of don't know. It's hard to predict. And like what I want to say also with the hard times is I think for them, it's just they grew to a point where it was unsustainable to not have any backing to be able to pay their writers and uh-huh. offer them benefits and all that stuff. Uh, so eventually you kind of hit that point. Uh, and where it's going, I think there's always going to be independent journalism. There's always going to be people launching a blog spot or a Substack or whatever. And there will always be great writing about heavy metal. And then there'll always, there'll be like more mainstream writing. I don't think necessarily if there's corporate backing, it would kind of affect stuff. It might even make it better just because there's budgets to do things, you know, yeah. like in, in general metal, I feel, uh, I think w- with you guys, you guys are very lucky because you kind of, you could be in the metal world and the stoner rock or like just the greater hard rock world. I think that's very important because I feel like metal itself, I don't think people in the metal scene realize how small it is and how how maybe sometimes people are a little elitist and don't realize that like, I don't know, even something as silly as MGK putting out a pop punk album, how that's actually helpful to metal because it's going to introduce all these kids who have who are curious about music but aren't like really diehard about it they're introduced into the sound and all, not all of them are going to explore but you know maybe if five percent go down the rabbit hole and check out you know classic punk and hardcore and maybe some metal and th- that person's going to be a lifer that's a it's kind of weird to, to, to say but it's like that's a customer for life you know like and I feel like with metal, we're so sometimes up our own asses about being pose, not being posers or whatever, or, yeah. you know, that's not true that you kind of miss the grander picture, which is like for the scene to thrive, like there has to be a, a regeneration of fans, like younger fans have to come in and, and we have to get 
exposure in the mainstream. Look at artists like you guys, for example, you guys came in at a time when MTV was paying attention to rock and metal and like you guys got airplay on all those channels. And I feel like you're still benefiting from that airplay to this day, even though it's probably been over a decade since MTV played you guys. That or even but, uh, like Guitar Hero and like licensing and things like that. That was uh, huge for us too, just like kind of getting into that. And it's, I, I see things like that like drying up for bands. It's, it's, it's tough. Yes, that's a great point. Guitar Hero was was huge for our scene, I think, because like it made so, it gave so many people, like you said, that new revenue stream that wasn't there before. Like you guys and I know, like for example, Dragon Force had made their yeah. career. They're gonna be they're gonna be set for life just off of that. Uh, yeah, we need stuff like that. Uh, I agree. I don't know where it's going. I'm scared, Rob. <laughs> I'm scared too. I, I honestly, and, and also just with how much control Facebook has over the internet and over what they decide to show, you, yeah. you really you got to go with the flow. You got to constantly readjust to like how they're doing their business. Mm-hmm. Well, man, I really appreciate you sitting down and, and uh, just kind of pulling back the curtain a little bit because it's it's, it's a mysterious uh, realm, the journalism and stuff like that. And uh, I just uh, wanted to, to shed some light on on some of this stuff. So thank you very much, man. I, I really appreciate your uh, your your candid opinions it was an absolute pleasure I, I i have so much respect for you kyle and i love how you kind of have your hand in everything and try to do all these different things it's very inspirational <laughs> well, and thank you very much i appreciate that so um uh, i usually ask uh, my musical guests um if they want to play a song at the end of it i know you're not necessarily in a band or are you are you in a band do you ever do you i play? am not in a band i i have no musical talent. Do, do you rap? You, you don't have to have any talent to rap these days. Oh, um, <laughs> oh, uh, I'm taking that out. I, I <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> I mean, anybody can rap. It's just it won't be good. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, uh, yeah. I cannot rap. Though. I'm sorry. Yeah, do I, want, I do not have a freestyle flow. <laughs> but uh, yeah, do, uh, do you want to drop a, a song? Like any, anything cool that uh, you want to throw one of your uh, publicist friends a bone? Uh, throw their band's uh, song on here. Anything you want, man. Um, your, your latest favorite track? I'll put a goddamn. Well, I will say, like I've been kind of. <laughs> I do not want to do a Machine Gun <laughs> Kelly track. Uh, I'll do something a little like not quite metal. Uh, it's my friend's band. Uh, they're called Nightclub. It's a duo. They're kind of goth pop or death pop. I don't know. Fuck yeah. It's like dark pop. Uh, and uh, let me see, let me let me see the song. I um, let's do let's do Freak Like Me. I'm gonna do Nightclub Freak Like Me. I love it. Thank you so much, Rob. Thank you. All right, man. I'll, I'll, uh, yeah, I think we're gonna be back in New York probably next summer. I'll uh, yeah, I'll send you a line. Let's uh, let's hang out. I think we'll actually be able to. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll roll a dub and we could actually split it and not yes. be afraid of catching something. Yes. <laughs>
tuning into the highway this week a big shout out to reverend guitars railhammer pickups and earthquaker devices if you liked what you heard you can follow where you can follow subscribe where you can subscribe and if you want to go one step further you can support us on patreon at the highway with kyle shut for a few bucks a month you can help us keep this party going get early access to next week's episode and even get yourself a shout out <laughs>